From the Salvation Army, welcome to the Holiness Podcast with Lieutenant Colonel Vern Jewett. In this monthly Bible study, we'll be exploring God's gift of holiness, which is offered to every Christian. To download this month's study guide, visit us at salvationarmysoundcast.org slash holiness. Hi, this is Vern Jewett, and we want to welcome you to the Holiness Podcast. We are excited about uh, studying the Bible together, and especially looking at uh, the wonderful way that God has provided to give us everything we need to serve Him as followers of Jesus Christ. And so we do a monthly podcast, or we do a bit of a uh, Bible study, maybe a little deep sometimes. Uh, and this week, this month, actually, we're going to be studying about being saved. Now, this particular topic kind of jumped out at me when I was reading my Bible a few years ago and came to the passage in 1 Corinthians, the first chapter, that begins with verse 18. And this may be familiar to many of you, and by the way, if you uh, have a Bible nearby and can open it. Uh, I think you'll find the study much more helpful to be able to work along with us in the text. But 1 Corinthians 1.18 says this, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Now, that phrase jumped out at me. I've always realized that uh, God's plan for us is to be saved, and I believe that um, most of us who, uh, all of us who know Jesus as our Savior are saved, and yet there is a theme that persists throughout the New Testament and throughout the entire Bible that salvation is a life. It's not just an event. One of our favorite Bible scholars and commentators, Dr. Ben Witherington from Asbury Theological Seminary, has stated this about that particular verse. He says, Paul speaks in verse 18 of those being saved. He speaks of salvation in all three tenses, and he gives examples. The past tense, for example, Roman 8.24, for in this hope we were saved. The present tense, not only this verse, but 1 Corinthians 15.2, by this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly. And the future, everyone who calls on the Lord will be saved, he says in Romans 9.13. When Paul speaks of salvation, in the present tense, there is a personal character to the term. It actually involves the transformation of an individual spiritually, morally, intellectually, so that the person has a new worldview and a new capacity to be faithful to that worldview. And this is all enabled by the Holy Spirit. And many of you are remembering previous studies, I am sure or uh, your own study and understanding, this, in fact, is the call to 
a dynamic living relationship with God, which we believe is properly and uh, fairly expressed, a life of holiness, of being set apart. Craig Blomberg, writing in the NIV Life Application Commentary on this verse, says that Paul's thesis in this whole passage is introduced here and affirms that there are only two kinds of people in the world, those in the process of perishing and those in the process of being saved, and that each will respond to the gospel message in diametrically opposite ways. Well, you recognize that this is what the life of holiness is all about. Salvation is a life. I think, as we often have mentioned, that there is a misunderstanding among many people who have superficially encountered the gospel that salvation is a once-in-a-lifetime event where you're sorry for uh, your sins and you pray a prayer and it's accomplished and you can go on with your life. That really is not any teaching that is found in the New Testament. In fact, salvation is when your life gets totally turned around, we talk about the word repentance, and go in a new direction. We are being saved every day. Now, we would apply this, and I'm sure you would quickly, to many other teachings in Scripture. Uh, Being saved is almost a given and is pervasive in Scripture. And we've talked about Uh, the Wesleyan-Arminian position, which understands salvation as justification, which happens at that moment when you receive Jesus as your Savior, and then sanctification, which is the process of growing in Jesus and being set apart for him for the rest of your life. Philippians 1.6, you'll remember, says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. So we are always being saved. I want to just mention a few scriptures and establish this uh, well in our minds, and then I want to uh, explore it just a little bit and focus at the end of our study on the ways that uh, Satan would want to distract us and keep us from realizing that we are being saved every moment and that everything we need to live for Jesus is given to us through the power of God's Holy Spirit. I thought immediately of Galatians 5, 16 to 25, a passage which some have entitled, There's Two Ways to Live. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And then he teaches what the deeds of the flesh are, 
as well as the fruit of the Spirit, that wonderful passage that we're familiar with. You see, this is an ongoing salvation. This is an ongoing process in our lives. Revelation 2 and 3, when John is addressing the churches, he addresses both Thyatira and Sardis by saying, He that endures, he that overcomes, shall be saved. So the key teaching today is that we are not only saved, but we are being saved and we will be saved. And we're going to kind of focus on the spiritual battle that uh, we encounter as Christians. As we grow in grace, as we are being conformed to Christ, we find ourselves in a spiritual battle. I'm remembering a conference I attended in 2001 for 10 days in London. And a particular event had taken place that caught my attention, and I've never forgotten uh, how it made me look at the world around me. The entire time I was in London, the headlines every day, newspaper and television, as well as the conversations uh, in the pubs and around the city, were all about a terrible disease and the drastic steps being taken to control and hopefully eliminate it. The disease was called hoof and mouth disease. Now, maybe you've heard of it. I really was unfamiliar with it. But there were pictures every day in the paper of hundreds of carcasses of animals. There were interviews with farmers and ranchers whose livelihood was being stripped from them by this disease. It was actually a time of panic. There were quarantines. There were places we couldn't go if we went to some of the outer parts of the city of London and certainly outside of the city itself. Farms were off-limit for everyone. And when I traveled home in the airport, I had to walk over a special mat treated to kill the bacteria on my shoes were it to be there from this daunting enemy. Then one day, a leading expert explained, as I was watching British TV, we used to think it was passed on only by the feet of animals and humans. But now, he said, we have discovered and learned that this disease is airborne as well. What a daunting enemy it was for the city of London at that time. But it reminded me of the very real presence of evil in our world and the unwillingness of Satan to give up, the continuing effects, the subtle, insidious ways that as Christians, our faith is challenged every day. We need to be saved from this evil world. (laughs) We are saved by faith, but we need to be saved each day. That's the beauty of the promise that he who has begun a good work in us 
is completing it. Every day we need him. There's a wonderful song in our Salvation Army songbook that uh, was written by a man who was a preacher and became part of the Christian mission, which was the earliest expression that became the Salvation Army in London back in the mid-1980s. He became a Salvationist and very active in our music ministry. It's entitled, Through and Through. Listen to uh, the first verse and the chorus of this song. Jesus, save me through and through. Save me from self-mending. Self-salvation will not do. Pass me through the cleansing. Through and through. Through and through. Jesus, make me holy. Save me to the uttermost. All the way to glory. That song has a wonderful sense of this biblical truth that we are being saved. My own personal testimony would be that the longer I serve him, the more I'm aware of uh, how much I need his strength every day, how much I need to rely upon God's Holy Spirit in order to be saved and to stay in right relationship with God. One of our generals in the Salvation Army was a very wonderful speaker and illustrator. His name was uh, John Gowans. He went to be with the Lord just a couple of years ago. But he was visiting Catherine Bramwell Booth. Now, this lady was the granddaughter of the founder of the Salvation Army, William Booth. She was almost 100 years old, and for several years, she had been doing a regular television show on BBC. And she was called, in fact, the darling of British television because the entire country was captivated by her spirit, her insight, and her overwhelming personality. Well, now she was near the end of her life, and General Gowans was visiting her in her home. And she was kind of muttering, and he was having trouble, a little difficulty hearing her. And so he got close to her ear and asked her, what did you say? And after listening, he heard her finally say clearly, he won't leave me alone. Well, General Gowan said, who won't leave you alone? Looking around, knowing there wasn't anyone else there, did she mean him? She answered, why the devil, of course. General Gowan said that he boldly asked her the question, well, what does he say to you, Catherine? She answered, he whispers in my ear, you're of no use to God anymore. You see, Satan never stops his work of tempting and undermining and trying to harness the faith of believers. Now, in church history, we've learned many lessons about the attacks of the evil one and the challenges of the spiritual battle that we face. Certainly, he, the evil one, wants to attack those who are in leadership. If he can discourage those who 
teach and lead and counsel, then the word will be presented and shared without conviction. I know that he would love to get a hold of young people. Why wouldn't he? What a threat young people are to him who come to know Jesus. The future of the church is at stake. I've often heard it said that the church is always only one generation from extinction. And the future of the church of God that God has raised up can be scuttled if he gets a hold of believers. People of all ages, when we study the word of God, when we praise and worship and seek to apply and share in prayer and meditation, are the only real antidote to the danger of the evil one. You see, the ever-present evil needs an ever-present Savior, and thank God we have one. The one who is being saved continues to need a rescuer. It's true, uh, the evil one never concedes deceit. He never gives up. I don't believe anyone is exempt. The New Testament speaks of him as the father of lies, tells us that he's an expert in deception and a master of deceit. And so all of us who are saints, and we've learned to use that word with an understanding that that's every believer is a holy one, just as Paul addressed the saints of all of his churches, speaking to every believer. We need the Holy Spirit every day. We're all being saved. He restores our soul. Daily, he heals and cleanses and restores. Now, I want to move to what is a second text, and then we'll move to applying this truth in as practical of a way as we can to our daily living. This second passage is found in 2 Peter chapter 1. Verses 3 and 4. It's a glorious promise about the saving power of God. Listen to these verses. And if you have a chance to turn to it, uh, I would encourage you to do that. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. What promises? What a great passage to read in the context of being saved. We are saved by his divine power. We have everything we need. We can actually participate in the divine nature, and escape the corruption, which is, in fact, what we've been talking about, the era and danger of the evil one. And how's that done? By the powerful, saving, cleansing, enabling power of the ever-present Holy Spirit. Do you remember the story of Peter walking on the water? It's recorded in Matthew chapter 14. I'm wondering if Peter was thinking of that experience when he said, we have everything we need. 
you'll remember that uh, Peter said, Lord, if it's you, that figure walking on the, on the Sea of Galilee that they saw from the boat, if that's you, let me come to you. And so Jesus called Peter to him, and Peter began walking on the water until he had doubts and began to sink. William Booth and his son Bramwell Booth, who became the second general of the Salvation Army, were talking about Peter, and they were disagreeing, which history tells us they often did. It wasn't unusual. And Bramwell said, look, Peter denied Jesus three times. He was a braggart. He was rough. And look at him. He started out toward Jesus on the water, but then he doubted and he sank. He was drowning, and he had to cry out for help. And William said, Bramwell, you'd have never gotten out of the boat. That reminds me of a book written a few years ago that maybe some of you have seen or read. If you want to walk on water, you've got to get out of the boat. Well, you know, as Christians, the reality is that every day we need the Lord. And many times we have to cry out. Lord, save me. <laughs> I'm sinking. I wonder what the devil said to Peter. I wonder what made him doubt. Perhaps this isn't happening, you know, Peter, or you can't keep this up. And so maybe Peter's thinking, well, of course, I can't do this. Reminds us of Paul saying, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. God has made provision for our sinking. I often find myself sinking in something and need to get the victory and know that that's been defeated and that I am back on my feet. Let's get to the nitty-gritty. I want to take the last few moments of our lesson and have a real direct time of application. We don't do this real often. We always try to apply God's word, but I want to extend it and just invite you to stop and think about the reality that you are being saved and that you need to be saved every day in order to live a holy life. What do we sink in? Well, I'm going to draw on my many uh, years as a pastor. Many people sink in doubt. Are you saying, I, I can't make it? <laughs> I just can't make it. Is this really what God expects me to do? Well, you know, doubt is not the opposite of faith. Doubt is something we all experience. But it actually calls us to faith. It wouldn't be faith if everything was explained or everything was clear. Faith involves trusting where we do not see. Maybe fatalism is causing you to sink. Well, that's an interesting word, isn't it? Fatalism. I chose it because I started thinking of how Satan gets people to say, can I possibly live for Jesus? Can I possibly make it? feeling like God must think he's wasting his time. What's the use of it all? I think I've seen that happen often when people, if 
find their spiritual senses in life diminished by habits that take them to this feeling that I just can't make it. At that point, we recall, at every point, as we talk about these various ways we can sink, we recall the Word of God and the promises that we have shared today and there are, that are always there. I've watched people uh, sink by getting caught up in comparisons, specifically measuring yourself against other people. This is a real trap of the evil one. You know, he can always make you feel like you're better or worse than someone else, and there's nothing he'd rather do than to get us comparing ourselves with other believers rather than seeking God with all our heart and mind and strength. I jotted down here, what are you drowning in? Or maybe you can remember the last time you felt like you were drowning. Low self-esteem? Have you ever felt like, who are you kidding? I know myself. How can I possibly be holy? I'm not of use to God. Many people sink in fear. And it's true, there are many things in life that cause us to be afraid. But whom do you have your eye on? To whose voice are you listening? Jesus says, don't be afraid. Beautiful verse in Hebrews 12.1. Fix our eyes on Jesus. We sing a little chorus. Turn your eyes on Jesus. And we have to daily trust and act. And he will take that fear away. Wonderful promise in Scripture is that we do not have to live in fear. Here's one that comes out of my pastoral experience. The way people deal with challenges in life is often to just deny them. I don't have a problem. That weakness that my wife or my co-worker suggests that I have, it, it, they're all mistaken. I'm in control. That's a great tool of the evil one, to get us to deny the reality. When the truth is that we all need the strength of the Lord, Remember the verse we started with, that it is the power of God for those of us who are being saved, speaking of the gospel. Let me mention just one more, and I don't know how you're responding to these. Maybe uh, each of us have had some experiences where these uh, challenges of life and potential attacks from uh, the evil one can become a spiritual problem for us, but I've encountered many people who actually uh, have found themselves depressed. Now, we have to be careful with that. Experts tell us we've learned so much in the social sciences these days and so much about mental health, but experts tell us that almost every one of us are clinically depressed at some point in our lives. And that's a great opportunity 
for the evil one to pile up the guilt upon us. Friends, the answer to depression, to denial, to fear, to low self-esteem, to comparisons, to doubt, to fatalism, the answer is found in an active living faith and relationship with God through the Holy Spirit. I want to use the verses of a song. It's a Salvation Army song written by a Salvation Army musician, but it speaks to this topic uh, beautifully, and I think it will be comforting and encouraging to you. The writer of the song is General John Gowans, who I mentioned earlier, and I want to read a couple of verses And I just encourage you to thoughtfully consider what we've been talking about today as you hear these words. At the moment of my weakness, when my need for power is plain and my own strength is exhausted once again, then my Lord has made provision for the day of my despair and his precious Holy Spirit hears my prayer. When the darkness falls around me and when bewildered and afraid, when I feel the most deserted and betrayed, then my every need is answered by God's providential care. And his precious Holy Spirit hears my prayer. Nothing now can rob God's servant of the peace that he bequeaths Nothing take away the strength his presence breathes. Of the everlasting arms of love, I'm daily made aware. And his precious Holy Spirit hears my prayer. And then the chorus, Holy Spirit, promised presence, fall on me. Holy Spirit, make me all I long to be. Holy Spirit, give your power to me. O Holy Spirit. Wonderful promises here. You see uh, for us this morning, at least it's morning where I'm speaking today, Isaiah 35, 8 says, And a highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. The unclean will not journey on it. It will be for those who walk in that way. 1 John 1, 7, If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Now, there's a reason you are listening today. There are reasons that I'm here today. And I believe that only the Holy Spirit knows how his word is to speak to my heart today. But he also will give me the strength and help me to understand and respond to the purpose for being part of this Bible study. I am being saved daily as the ever-present power of the Holy Spirit enables me. How about you? Let me assure you, dear friend, you have everything you need because of God's Spirit in you. He wants to do daily continually, the work of transformation, of 
your human nature, as you partake of the divine nature through the Holy Spirit. And right now is the time, which we all should do probably several times each day, to renew again and seal again and remember this moment that his provision is there for us. What are you sinking in? Well, Peter was sinking in doubt. But whatever it may be, I want to close with this chorus we sing as well in the Salvation Army. He is able, more than able, to accomplish what concerns him today. He is able, more than able, to handle anything that comes my way. He is able, more than able, to do much more than I could ever dream. He is able, more than able, to make me what he wants me to be. Friends, we have been saved. We are being saved, and we will be saved. And that's the wonderful truth of having a living relationship with Jesus Christ. And I pray for you a sense of all of that. And when the days or moments come that you are sinking, may God's word encourage you and may his spirit give you all you need to live for him and walk in the power that he has promised us through his spirit. Well, I've enjoyed this study and I hope it has been of benefit to you. Thank you for joining us. We pray God's blessing upon you, and we look forward to you joining us next month on The Holiness Podcast. This is Colonel Vern Jewett signing off for now. Thanks so much for listening, and we'd love to hear from you. Share your thoughts, questions, or prayer requests. Visit us at SalvationArmySoundcast.org slash holiness. And if you're enjoying this Bible study, share it with a friend. They can subscribe wherever they get their podcasts. Thank you.